Hey, hey, all you Arizona lovers, this is the Finding Arizona podcast, episode number 369. I'm your host, Jose. Thank you for listening and watching. Today's episode is with Rebuild the Block, and we're sitting down with CEO uh, Nathan. He was fantastic to talk to. I'm going to specify that he was in his car on a hot day with the AC on. So this one might be a little bit noisy, but we hope that you guys enjoy the conversation, to say the least. Um, the Rebuild Build the Block is actually specializing in rebuilding homes, and now they're working on doing a little bit more of like new construction. So this episode is going to be a lot of talking about real estate and home ownership here in the Valley. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. That'll lead us into a little bit of the business side. You can hear every episode of Finding Arizona Podcast at FindingArizonaPodcast.com. We make it easy for you guys to connect with us and tell us who you want in next social media is Finding Arizona Podcast. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you let us know who you want in next and we'll try and make that happen. If you want to send us an email at findingarizonapodcast at gmail.com, you can go ahead and do so. That helps us stay connected with you guys. If you want to join the newsletter, that's available on the website. If you want to get a little bit more personal with Britt and I and our family, go over to the vlog. It is available over at YouTube along with a lot of other episodes. That has been fantastic for connecting with our family and just sharing sharing with everyone what we are about and what we use on a daily basis and sharing a little bit about our son atlas who will soon become my co-host for this podcast i hope fingers crossed but he's doing fantastic just to give you guys a little bit of update on our family life he is actually doing a lot of uh classes and he is doing a lot of like dance class and library class and a lot of learning educating it's a lot of fun uh we hope that you guys are staying cool this summer as the summer months end and we head into the hectic time of the fall season we are going to try our best to get out of the house and be more live broadcasting to events and things like that i hope you guys stay tuned and enjoy those little things that we do here for the social media and for the podcast itself that is going to lead us into this very special episode episode number 369 with rebuild the block we will catch you on the next episode and as always kisses hugs and belly rubs see ya She is a juggling life. Oh, she is high performing. She's self-made. Um, definitely busy. Woman supporter. Cares about the rooms that she's going into. Building an empire. Definitely working in a male-dominated industry. She is competitive and cares about impact. And she's inspired by the word now. Oh, completely relentless. She is self-made. She is a badass. Welcome back, everybody, to the Finding Arizona podcast. I'm your host, Jose. As always, we bring in fantastic guests. Ladies and gentlemen, since 2013, our guest here today has been uh, rebuilding the block, as you would say, in his line of work. Uh, he is the owner and, I guess, co-founder. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, this is Nathan Anderson, and he is uh, behind Rebuild the Block. And also, he's also done some real estate work, I believe, as well, right? Nathan? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're 
a little bit more than just the GC. Um, mm -hmm. We kind of have a little bit of a real estate conglomerate that focuses on real estate and development, um, which I'm sure we'll get into here shortly. Awesome. Sounds really good. And thank you again for just taking some time. As you can see, uh, he's in his vehicle. He's out and about in the world today. And I'm very excited to just grab him for a couple of minutes here. And so we're just going to ask you the question that we typically ask everyone when we start off these conversations is give us a little bit of the origin story behind Rebuild the Block and just how this all came into your life. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I'll condense it, but you know, for a long time, I knew that I wanted to run a business and I didn't quite know exactly how to do that as, you know, a young 20 year old, you know, going through school. And I had an opportunity uh, to get um, hired on by another entrepreneur that I knew uh, through a family friend. And I was running uh, actually a large format print company for him out of college, but had no ownership or anything like that. Um, and he was a great mentor to me, um, you know, ultimately showed me a lot of the dynamics of what it would take to own a business. Um, soon after that, I had an opportunity to go into software sales in the Bay Area where I grew up, which is kind of not related to anything that I do today. Um, and that really gave me the, the platform to be able to, to take some extra time um, to start formulating a plan of what I wanted to do. Now, my dad was a GC and I had worked with him over the summers. Um, but uh, he's kind of a doer, so he didn't teach, teach me a lot about the trades. And I just kind of said, hey, I'll never be a GC. But one of the things that was fundamental to, to our upbringing and, and uh, the success that my dad had was real estate. And he mm -hmm. had some rentals and stuff. And he kind of was flipping homes before they really flipped. He never really sold them. He kind of just kept them as rentals. Yeah. And that kind of parlayed the idea that, you know, hey, I could probably start flipping homes. Um, nice. You know, fast forward a little bit. And, um, you know, it was really difficult to figure out how to do that in my early 20s in the Bay Area. I mean, I could barely buy the first condo that me and my wife were living in. Mm. And so I had a really, really good friend down here in Arizona. Yeah. And I had come down here for his wedding and some other things and said, you know, it would be really good to invest in Arizona real estate. It's, it's affordable. Um, I, I think that yeah, it's something I could swing. And so... Um, so the next time my friend came home for the holidays, I, uh, I reached out to him and said, hey, you know, like, I'd like to, to, to start working on, on flipping home. And he said, I thought that was, he's like, I think that's a great idea. And he took off from there. We had the conversation a few days after Christmas, 2010, and uh, sorry, 2013, excuse me. Uh, and ultimately, uh, within four months, we were able to put together a game plan. Um, nice. bootstrap uh, some financing by pulling out a HELOC on the condo that we had owned at the time because um, it had appreciated in value and yeah. that allowed us to be able to buy our first home uh, on the uh, county courthouse steps via auction. And that's nice. kind of how the, you know, the beginning of the company started. It was, it was kind of just a side hustle, uh, something that I wanted to do in, in addition to the software sale business that I was, uh, uh, that I was a, sales, a salesman for. Oh, wow. So do you mind if I ask where, where apart, like when you were um, just starting off where you were at located wise, and then how you wound up in Arizona? I mean, we all, we already know how you wound up, but it's like, what was that transition like moving most of your family and your, you know, just moving over here and the change that uh, kind of came with that? 
Yeah, so that's a good question. You know, I actually stayed in the Bay Area um, for uh, about four years while I started okay. my business. So um, this uh, this really good friend I had, he had a lot of trade experience. He was very, very skilled carpenter, yeah. as well as, you know, you could do everything in the trades. So he was boots on the ground out here. And um, it kind of went something like this. I mean, you know, twice a week we had meetings and we started putting together agendas. And I okay. actually went back and I looked at some of those agendas this year and we kind of say, okay, so what do we have to do if we want to buy a house? So we started working our network and reaching out to people. And I would have lunches in the Bay Area with some people that did that in the Bay Area as well as yeah. other states. And he would have, you know, lunches and phone calls with contacts he had down here. And so um, the transition took about four years for us to get down here full time. And the main reason for that is, as mentioned before, which is a side hustle, you know, like it was like, yeah. Hey, uh, you know, I know that there's money to be made in real estate. Um, you know, let's let's see how this goes. And so, um, we we uh, we met with uh, with someone in our network that uh, basically bought people or uh, bought homes for investors on the on the county steps. And so, mm-hmm. uh, so that's kind of what we did. We were he was out every Saturday looking at ten or fifteen homes that might or might not go to auction. And um, you know, ultimately, uh, when we would find a few that we were interested in, if they would go to auction, we would set a price. Of yeah. And then when we go to town, um, that's not specifically the question you asked, that transition. It just, it's, I guess, a little longer of a story. Yeah, no, no, it totally, it totally works. To get down here. I love um, that. So, you know, so that's, it was, it was a slow burn. I mean, um, fast forward, we, we put the, uh, you know, probably a dozen or so homes and mm-hmm. um, we didn't really like it. It was like putting lipstick on a pig. Um, my uh, previous business partner, which I did buy out eventually, um, you know, he was very meticulous on like, you know, putting the other quality product and it's really hard to do that. Uh, flipping homes in the, you know, call it 200 to $500,000 range. Um, you know, there's not a lot of like margin there to be able yeah. to, uh, to be able to actually do something that's substantial. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so fast forward a bit, um, you know, after doing some flips, we realized that, uh, we, we'd start following some people that were very influential in, some of the luxury market spaces in, in Arizona, specifically Arcadia, yeah, um, around Camelback Mountain, Paradise Valley, those areas. And um, you know, I just turned to my partner at the time and said, "Hey, um, you know, is this something that we can do? Can we can we do this?" And, you know, he's like, "Yeah, we absolutely can. We'll have to increase and, and get a, a full license to do full residential rebuilds, but uh, definitely feasible." So we took it down that path. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forward, we finished our first two, you know, basic ground up construction projects and then we were on our third um and that's when i decided to make the jump down here to ac um you know to get closer to the business uh so on and so forth and so that's how that transition worked it took us you know about four years before i uh felt comfortable enough actually you know moving my family down here um as far as the transition period um it was really interesting you know i worked for software sales and I was working a full-time job. I was commuting down here probably once a month, you know, checking on operations. And then obviously in the evening times after I would get off uh, my sales job, which focused on the East Coast. So I was, I was lucky enough to get off about 2.30, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Pacific time. Um, yeah. So it would allow me some time to be able to establish the business. Awesome. And so um, so long story short, you know, we, we, we did. We made the jump down here. And uh, I was lucky enough to keep my software gig uh, for over a year while I was down here, okay. uh, which really helped to ensure the longevity of our company, right? Because 
you know, I was getting a paycheck. We were paying my business partner a salary to, to take care of day-to-day operations. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, truth be told, I didn't take, I didn't take any, any money from the company for three years. Wow. That's an, I mean, that's just, just so a testament of like what you kind of have to be willing to sacrifice or do for your business in the early, in the early ongoings. Um, I just want to say, first off, what an incredible, like, transition and story that you guys are doing to make sure that you guys are staying afloat first off and being well aware of kind of what it takes to manage you kind of have to put your hands in both like ends you're burning the the candlestick at both ends so to speak and so that is that is just one of those things that i'm just like curious about from a kind of early on standpoint from most business owners is because it does happen you do have to work multiple gigs just to make things kind of float on for the first couple of years i know that we're still in that midst of like i'm working full-time my wife's working full-time and we're still like this we haven't made any kind of real money per se or salary from doing this podcast but i love doing this i've always said that this has been my my passion and where my calling sort of speak because i love hearing these stories and i love learning from my community um this is just something that i i will continue on doing until i'm an uh, old man and can't do it anymore (laughs) Um, um, uh, let me, yeah, exactly. Labor, labor of love. And I've, I started this out of grad school and this was one of those situations where I'm like, like you, you, you had the, the large scale printing. I was doing screen printing t-shirts for, you know, the business owners who wanted t-shirts for their employees or for giveaways, you know, just merchandise. And I would, you know, cap, you know, just talk to them and ask them what, you know, what are they about? And just hearing all these incredible stories and what they've been through is just one of those things where I was like, man, I really want to help you out. Why aren't you getting more publicity or why aren't you getting more, you know, this or that? And it's always came back to, it's too expensive. It's too hard. And I was like, it just doesn't seem fair. So I took it upon myself to make this podcast as an opportunity to hear those stories and uh, give them an opportunity to tell theirs. I'd love to just kind of really take a moment and just like architecture in the Bay Area is totally different than it is here in the Valley. What have you noticed just from a kind of standpoint of that portion? You know, you are, if you look on your website, more of a modern uh, build kind of, uh, and I'd love to just get your, your grasp of like what that was like for you going away from what these probably were like, huge builds that were hundreds of years old or if not more modern homes in the bay area on a on a day-to-day kind of thing then now you're dealing with these 19 was it in your particular area 50s and 60s ranch style homes yeah yeah so it's real interesting um you know when we first got started i mean you know it was was all under roof like you know uh renovation you know and we quickly positioned ourselves into the new build space. And, you know, that's where we find ourselves, you know, day in and day out at this point. And so yeah. there's really been a transition. I mean, at first it's just, you're trying to figure it out, you know, like we've always stand by like quality and craftsmanship, like, you know, keep craft alive is one of our, you know, core purposes as a company, but, you know, we shifted from building like trendy homes. So, you know, at first we kind of saw what the trends were and a lot of them were like this rustic farmhouse, right. That people yeah. were building, you know, call it eight years ago, um, seven years ago. And it started shifting from that rustic to more of a modern farmhouse. And so the way that I put it is, you know, we were really focused on like on trend design 
-hmm. And now we're more focused on things that we feel are more architecturally significant um, and really like more of the cutting edge or like design forward thinking versus design trendy. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so that's one of the things that's really unique about uh, development. Right. You know, so on a lot of our projects, you know, 70%, 75% of what we do is, you know, we buy it, we tear it down, we build it, we sell it. Right. So, yeah. The nice thing with that is that you get to determine what it is that you get to build, right? Now, obviously, you've got to keep in mind what the market will bear. But at the end of the day, like something that really intrigues me is architecture. Um, yeah, yeah. Early on in my career, I thought I'd be an architect, um, you know, and uh, decided that wasn't the path for me. Um, but, you know, now I find myself being able to work with architects to be able to design stuff that's a little bit more uh, to the taste of, of what I want to build. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that doesn't exist in Phoenix, right? You know, we are trending to more of a modern design more recently. Uh, mm -hmm. We kind of did our version one of uh, what we call our Scandinavian modern. Uh, Scandinavian ranch is, is kind of what we've coined it. And uh, all three of those have uh, have sent, well, one sold, two are under contract currently. Nice. And now we're building our uh our next version which is more it's scandinavian but it's more like australian uh architecture it's bringing in some of uh the more like modular like form mm -hmm. uh to building which trends more to modern and yeah. we think that that's going to be a very hot ticket because it helps to differentiate our builds from other builds you know we're not just you know throwing cookie cutter homes up and yep. calling it a day um and there has been a lot of thought process behind that strategy for us, mm -hmm. you know, but, um, I, I would say that it's always been something that's intrigued me as architecture in general. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that the, that today's design, um, because of the influences that we have social media and all those types of things, the trends, uh, they move a lot more rapidly yeah. uh, than what they did in, in decades of past, you know, like, you know, what is today's, you know, design aesthetic. Well, there's a lot of influences from a lot of different areas. So one of the things that we focus on is trying to stay true to the design intent that we're trying to put together. So when we're thinking of conceptuals, like uh, our project Alta, which is our Aussie modern, it definitely has a lot of like uh, characteristics of mm -hmm. like Australian architecture. Um, and then we have our duo project, which is uh, what we call our coastal modern. And that actually, you know, uh, runs... Uh, more modern, like some of the, the coastal uh, communities that you would see um, in in New Zealand or in some of these, you know, other areas uh, of Australia. And obviously we don't have a coast here, but we do have Camelback Mountain. And that's uh, what we've considered most people uh, determine as Arizona's beachfront property is that iconic little mountain range that sits in the yeah. middle of, uh, of some of these luxury spaces around the, uh, here central in the valley. Yeah. I, you know, in all honesty too, you're kind of hitting pinpoints of like areas where, um, the, the dry element where it's heat and dry heat and things like that, where shade is a kind of, a a necessity and the architecture is important to bring providing that level of, you know, level of, uh, entertainment and joy for the homeowners is that be providing yeah. your spaces in those outdoor activities and providing almost kind of this indoor outdoor living style. Uh, coastal is uh, more of like you, like you were saying in that Australia effort. Um, but yes, you know, these, these types of architecture really provide an understanding of like, look, 
we're in a different element climate than most of the United States that provide, you know, we have an opportunity here if we think ahead or use design our, our intelligence to really look, look, we got to, you know, provide these opportunities for these homeowners and make them last longer, be intentional about our design. So thank you for allowing me to just kind of grasp a little bit of your style and understand where you guys are pulling from, because it does help the listeners and whoever's going to listen to this is just, you know, where are they, where are they, you know, honing in from? And that's it really does help us under, you know, cause I was looking at your website and looking at some of the, the builds that you have done and it. I really do enjoy it. I, I find it very uh, fascinating and interesting because I'll let you know, I'm a landscape architect. I actually work. Uh, that's my, you know, nine to five sort of deal is that that's what I do for a living is I, um, I, you know, work as a landscape architect. So I totally am on board because I thought I was going to be an architect. I was really fascinated with architecture in school. And then I pivoted to the uh, LA side and I never turned back from that. And so I, I do being a homeowner myself, I do find it fascinating. Architecture draws me in a little bit more and more every day because I'm looking to rebuild and uh, do some construction around here and open this up because we are an expanding family and growing. Uh, you know, I just had a two, I have a two-year-old right now. And so, you know, wanting to provide for him more space and opportunity to grow in this house that we've, you know, kind of said to ourselves, this is our forever home. We love this whole space. We love, we got married in the backyard. So um, wanting to, bring an element of something new and, and having an opportunity to, to, to not only provide a, a stamp of like, this is our legacy, this is our home and we want to make it fresh and, and give it some new light that, that's something I've always been uh, wanting to try and do. So I'd love to talk to you off air about some stuff that we want to do, but uh, we'll continue our conversation uh, into kind of, you know, just the culture of rock, uh, rock the block and what you provide to some of, you know, the employees or who you have, you know, with you as your trades, your trades people, what is that relationship building like? And what is that, uh, what you, what are you looking for as far as either an employee or as a tradesperson that comes on and, and wants to team with you? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so that's that's actually a topic that's you know really close to and very important to to myself being in the trades. You know, I do have a college background as well in organizational communication, and it's done well for me. Like, you know, I don't actually use that as much as you know I thought I might. Um, but, you know, we sit on three core purposes. I, I mentioned the first, which is, you know, build a high quality home, keep craft alive. Yeah. Um, and, uh, in the negative stigma of the building industry, which we can get into a little bit. Um, and yeah. the, the third is provide opportunities for those that want to be in the trades. Mm. And that's probably the most important to me. Um, and, and I say that because, you know, it's tough, right? I mean, for literally the last three or four decades, We've seen basically uh, a push away from the trades. Like, hey, it's not good to be in the trades. Don't go into the trades. You don't want to work with your hands. Go to college. Go to school. And it's really tough because, you know, people still want beautiful homes. People still want a high-quality product. Um, But one of the things that I think resonates with a lot of our clients is that, you know, uh, there's only about 10% of any given industry that 
companies within any given industry that actually are great companies, right? And mm-hmm. you know, that's what we try to aspire to be is we're, we consider ourselves a very good builder, but we aspire to be a great builder. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to align ourselves with people that want to be in the trades. And that's the hardest thing is nowadays we find people just have found themselves in the trades yeah. and they don't really want to be there. Um, you know, uh, and I've had multiple conversations with our team specifically and, you know, the trades need just as many, you know, competent and college educated individuals in the trades than they do in standard, uh, small business environment, right? Like we still need accountants that understand construction accounting. We still need, you know, project managers, you know, we still need people that can be able to get, you know, these homes, these beautiful homes built, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, in addition to that, you know, like I work with obviously, um, you know, our accounting team, our marketing team that does our social media. So like, there's a lot of opportunity that I feel like that people aren't like aware of that are within the trades. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there has been a push. I feel like there are more people that are reaching out and saying, Hey, I don't want to be in the corporate environment. Like I, I like like the architecture and the design elements that you're doing. And I have interesting conversations with people, you know, uh, on a weekly basis, maybe not daily, um, about them maybe making uh, a career shift to, to more of a small business environment. And we have so much opportunity that's available to us. Um, so, you know, anyways, the, we really want to try to align ourselves with trade partners that want to lay tile, right? Like one of yeah. the questions when we are betting out new, new trades, it's like, hey, like, so you're a concrete company. Do you love concrete, right? Like, <laughs> And that sounds like a crazy question, but it's like, hey, if you hate what you're doing every day, exactly. Like, how how good is the product that you're going to be producing for us, right? Like, how how um, you know, how much are you going to dive into this problem solving and doing some of these things or having good processes in place? And so, um, so anyways, I, I I think that you're going to see a shift, but um, to to talk a, a little bit more directly, um, you know, that's one of our focuses is is really you know, aligning ourselves with the appropriate people that can be able to actually produce the product because there's not very many good tradesmen and yeah. people that want the product are going to be uh, in for a, a little bit of a rude awakening when they realize how much it costs to get the level of detail that we provide at Rebuild the Block or other great builders in the Valley. Um, you know, uh, but unfortunately, I think a lot of people, you know, they're just trying to get, you know, things done as cheaply as possible. And I feel like there's been a negative stigma that's, that's been attached to those people in the trades, which is just, you know, um, you know, uh, not great for, uh, for our environment, but also, uh, you know, is a little bit of a travesty over the last couple of decades as, uh, as people have moved away from this uh, very rewarding and uh, potentially profitable career path. Yeah. I mean, this, there's a level of like, you know, understanding of like, if you're passionate about what you do, it's, it, it shows really. And especially in the trades, you know, I, uh, I've seen it uh, plenty of times and, you know, you, you kind of come across like certain elements of like pavers and, and like you said, concrete and stuff like that, where it's just like, you want, you want something quality and you just have to understand that it comes, it comes with not only the, the actual like trades people, but how passionate they are about it. And so it's like, there's, and that first element of like, there's an issue 
that's where the passion shows through because the passionate ones are going to be like, like, we got this, we can, we can figure it out. So be kind of the concluding end portion. And so when we get started on these last bits, we kind of like to ask about goals and things that we can help you um, achieve. Maybe our listeners can help you achieve. Are there any goals for um, rebuild the block uh, that you have in mind that you want to let people know about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I wouldn't be in business if I didn't have goals, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, so I, I think one of the biggest things, as, as mentioned earlier, you know, we're trying to build things that are architect, more architecturally significant. And to do that, um, you know, we all of our homes are built like custom homes. And like none of them are cookie cutter. They're all separate designs. And so we've made a strong push and shift to start building custom homes for clients. And we'd like to get to a 50-50 split uh, between customs and specs. So six specs a year, six customs a year is the goal. Uh, and that's nice. a, a three-year goal to get us to that point. And we want to align ourselves with people that, you know, truly want something special and, and, and want something that's, you know, true to the craft and, and wants a company that can be able to, you know, communicate properly through the process with them because you know, it's a big undertaking. It's, mm-hmm. you know, a large purchase that most people will make. Um, you know, if, if they're not buying on the traditional real estate market. So, yeah. um, so that's been a big focus for us. And then more recently, we just rolled out our home maintenance plan. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of people don't, don't recognize. Um, I, we haven't talked a lot about like the real estate side of the house, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm an active real estate agent. I have a partner that's not associated with Rebuild the Block that takes all of our traditional sales. They hand, he handles acquisitions, he's full-time real estate. And um, anyways, long story short, we go to a lot of homes. We see yeah. a lot of homes, right? And the biggest thing in the real estate industry is deferred maintenance. Most people don't know how to maintain their home or they're not willing to. Yeah. Um, and a lot of 90% of what happens to your home has nothing to do with warranty. It's all about maintenance, right? It's like, uh, we, we know that with vehicles, you know, car maintenance, you know, you got to yeah. go oil changes and you got a, a 10,000 mile checkup and a 13,000 mile checkup and a 50,000 mile checkup. But we don't have anything that actually uh, tells us when our home needs to be taken care of. And so, um, so anyways, that's been a, a huge goal and undertaking. It's kind of the last piece of our vision board um, yeah. for a company, you know, is to, to be able to help people on the real estate side, either acquire a lot, you know, if they're looking to build with us or find a house that fits their criteria on the real estate side, mm-hmm. um, all the way through our pre-construction agreement, which allows us to be able to help and be a key advocate for the client to get through permits and design, nice. and then move on to building the custom home. And then obviously we, we hit that warranty period. Um, but we also provide a, a maintenance plan that's an add-on to that warranty that allows us to be able to come and keep that home looking the way it did when our customers move in. So getting that rolled out has been huge. Um, and we want to, you know, obviously service as many of our, of our clients that we can yeah. um, that buy our homes with that. So those are some of the goals that we have is to really solidify, um, you know, our previous clients uh, that want this, uh, this amazing service to, to take part in that. Nice. Um, so those are kind of the, the main goals for us at the moment. That's awesome. I love I love the kind of full spectrum of home ownership that you're trying to provide here is just, you know, from beginning all the way up to maintaining. And then that's important as well, because I can tell you now as a homeowner, I'm just like maintaining the maintenance aspect is just getting getting more and more to do lists and more and more because we actually um, if you can see we have concrete floors. But what did end up happening was along the kitchen. uh 
there was an issue with the piping because it's a old 19 i think 40s 50s home and back then they used steel piping instead of the pvc piping before and it cracked and we had to go get the concrete jack you know and and pulled out and then they had to put in new one it was we were out of the house i think almost a week trying to trying to stay out of their hair because we have pets and animals here so you know that that was definitely not the easiest thing but we made it work and and we're still wanting to for us for this house we want to make sure that from the from the ground all the way up to the roof we want it to be kind of maintained and and re you know it put into a more modern a livable it's not going to deteriorate updated and and that kind of flow of it so i appreciate someone who understands and respects that and wants to provide that for their customers so thank you nathan i really do appreciate what you provide as a service on all on all the facets um towards the end here we're reaching um now is your chance to let everyone know where they can find you online email, anything like that. It's time to promote, promote, promote. So go right ahead. The floor is yours. Oh, appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can find us on, on all the, the social media channels, you know, we, we're on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, which we've been promoting heavily, um, you know, it runs through a lot of the nuances of construction. It's, uh, you know, people, that's the best way to get to know, you know, what we stand for as a company and, and really do a lot of due diligence on like, Hey, this is who you're, this is who you're working with when you hire with rebuild the block. Um, so, um, our website's a great, um, opportunity for people to also see some of the upcoming projects we have and the previous projects we have. Um, and, uh, there's a ton of information on there about our company and, uh, there's some form fills obviously. So if there's any interest in, you know, building custom with us, uh, you know, obviously fill out, we'll, we'll reach out and, uh, you know, chat through what that process looks like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, our goal is to just, you know, try to like create a one-stop shop that, that kind of smooths the, the rough edges of that, of that undertaking of a custom build. And, and, uh, we think that we're positioned really well to do that. So check us out on all our social media, definitely check out our YouTube channel. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, we look forward to, to hopefully helping anyone in the Valley here that's, that's looking to, to build something, uh, that has, uh, has quality, uh, built right into it. Yeah, absolutely. And before we go, we always have our little outro here at Finding AZ. You can find us and all our episodes at FindingArizonaPodcast.com. We make it easy for you guys to connect with us through social media. That's Finding Arizona Podcast. And last but not least, if you want to send us an email, FindingArizonaPodcast at gmail.com. And we always end every episode with the kisses, hugs, and belly rubs to our four-legged friends. We will see you next time.